0: Oh, Bredo. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, uh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tonnes of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment, what do you mean MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, BrettO. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection four muesli or four assorted and get four bags attendee, That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in Best Dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over At thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Demo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is up for a chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison.
1: For a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith.
2: I'm Kim Morrison and I'm Cindy O'Meara.
1: And I'm sorry that I'm sounding quite nasal. It's not purposeful. Just (laughs) I just actually was very conscious and I was like, I'm Karen Smith. (laughs) 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 Sorry everybody, just a little bit of a flu bug. Most importantly though. We have got an amazing guest on with us today, and I think this little chicky baby is somebody that we all love and adore, who has been a part of our lives for a number of years. And honestly, the moment I met Vicki Kelly, I felt like I had found a soul sister, the most genuine, authentic, gentle, stunningly beautiful um, women that I think I've ever come across. And what makes... Vicky's so special and one of the reasons why we've got her on the show with us today is because she's got such a profound message that is really moving the hearts and minds of millions around the globe around mindfulness. Now Vicky has written a book called Mindful 2.0 and she's going to tell us all about um, her background and her story and her book and why she does the work that she does but I wanted you guys to know that you know, this is this is a woman that's important to all of us. She's played a big role in all of our paths and we are so grateful to have you on the show, Vicky. Be very afraid, my friend. Welcome.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I am. I'm thinking that, I was just thinking, wow, look at the time. I think I need to go. You've, you've built me up and, and been so kind with your introduction of me. I don't want to mess it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very excited to have you here with us, lovely one. We oh. really want to talk to you about, you know, your story and who you are and how you've come to build the message that you have because I think that, gosh, you know, we are all in such a state where we've got so many questions about how to come back to a place of mindfulness, how to come back to ourselves, how to focus on the inner world rather than the outer.
3: A lifelong yeah. project. It's funny. it's funny, Karen, that you say that uh, talk about, who am I? Yes. Uh, a few years ago, I had a little awakening, as we all have, and I and my life um, became very different as I knew it. I was I was married at the time, and and my then husband decided that uh, we both needed to move in a different direction. And I, and I was on a um, part of a speakers group, and they were promoting me, and I went in for an audition for some big program uh, in in Aussie and I was auditioning and they put the camera on me and I was doing really well, you know, doing my cool spiel. And then one of uh, the people that was auditioning said, so aside from all that, who are you? And it was one of those pivotal moments that because I'd been, I was in, in the trenches, I was deep in the mud and the sludge of this new, uh, this transition phase I broke down. There was snot everywhere. I in front of the camera and had had basically a, a massive meltdown and got um, benched. I got benched by my um, promoters for a year. <laughs> oh, oh. Wow. oh, you poor
1: bugger! There's nothing worse, is there? <laughs> it, oh.
3: was a, it was a good reminder. It, it really it it catapulted me into i i really need to get some shit sorted <laughs> oh, yeah it's
1: very cathartic tragic painful and hurtful but very cathartic
3: don't no, i think most of i when i look back hindsight's always 2020 20, and i and i think some of my most amazing times and and best best learning experience experiences come from really difficult uh, moments and so may have been one of those I'm sure we can all relate to that hey girls thank you so much for having me on your show I'm I am always very starstruck by one of you let alone all three of you and I love to snuggle and I was wondering as I was coming into the call how, how I could be middle spoon but
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would love to ask a question of you and uh, I know you've done lots of amazing things and I just would love to know what got you started
3: and hooked into this wellness journey. Where did it all begin for you? Well, for me it began in my and, and the 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 wellness journey I think in terms of um, overall well-being or vitalism or or wellness. Uh, I'm not sure that that I'm that far on the journey in some areas, um, but for me personally, it was my emotional wellbeing that that's that was the catalyst for me. And as a, a teenager, I I sort of a middle teens, sixteen plus, I had an experience um, with sort of in the the spiritual esoteric world. Some things began to open up. Um, for me and I and I began to have some experiences that not many other people were having and so I entered the spectrum of either being a spiritually gifted or uh, a schizophrenic who was in need of some shock treatment and so I was on that spectrum uh, uh, and at both ends on you know one arm was being pulled of "I'm, I'm spiritually gifted and the other side was you're not gifted at all you're nuts and we need to intervene here and so um, in the middle of all that I uh, serendipitously got food poisoning and went to a GP one of those late night GPs and he said oh hang on a minute you need to come on retreat and so that was my very first experience and exposure to meditation and I went on a three-day silent retreat when I was um, in my late teens and from then on uh, it was in that moment that I recognised on about just coming out of day two that I wasn't my thoughts and that I was the observer of my thoughts and I was the observer of what my body was doing and I had some choice in in how I could um, map and engineer that and that from that moment I fell deeply in love with the contemplative uh, nature of, of humanity and that's really been my life on and off ever since and if I look back it's it's I studied hypnotherapy. I started studying behavioural science at La Trobe, and, and when a long time ago, girls like twenty and a lot more years ago, uh, when studying behavioural science, it was all negative emotions, and and I'd had my fair share of negativity, and and I knew I knew um, very deeply what my negative, what the the impact of negative emotions on me, and I wanted to study the the positive side the 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 nutrient value of our emotions and that wasn't available then it certainly is now and so I I dropped out of La Trobe and studied to become a hypnotherapist and specialized in conversational trance and from there went straight into training and development and um, was connected with the chiropractic world and so that's where I've been uh, ever since really uh, on and off but when I look back Most of my training and development, most of my teaching, uh, centres around the contemplative nature of of ourselves. So uh, the 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 inner work centres around our inner work. Whether it is whether I'm teaching that we're answering the phone, or teaching eye contact, or teaching uh, communication, or philosophy, it all starts from the inside out. Mm.
2: But would you say, though, that everybody is aware of this or what's your indication or understanding of how we as human beings approach this thing?
3: No, well, I think and I think that before before we hit record, I said one of my passions is to demystify this thing called meditational mindfulness and uh, in such a way that it becomes a normal part of our daily living to be able to simply pause and take a breath and to breathe and know that we're breathing, to sit and know that we're sitting. That in, in and of itself, is, that's mindfulness. And when we're mindful, when we're present and um, when we're just more available, when we're mindful, we just naturally make better choices, better choices about um, what we put into our body, uh, better choices about what comes out of our mouth, um, in terms of what we say, better choices about ch- changing and shifting our habits, and we know that you know to to change habits is is hard it's it 's really hard because we're we 're wired not to we 're wired um to just for groundhog day in in many ways and our and our brain is is really good at um creating habits many of the habits that we have though we haven 't consciously chosen, so we haven 't mindfully chosen um they 've sort of been We've inherited them, or they've been dumped upon us, or or they've happened by default. And so, mindfulness, and particularly the work I do, is all all about being able to just have an awareness of what it is we're thinking, or how it is we're behaving, and then if we choose to, to make some changes with that. And when we're mindful, we're we're more available to be able to do that, not only for ourselves, but also then to connect more deeply, uh, and engage, and and build that interpersonal. Uh, coherence if you like with, with each other. Because we're all we're all wired to want to hang out together and snuggle. That's true. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Fish, I haven't
1: seen me and Karen involved.
3: snuggle them.
2: <laughs> I'm a big fat snuggler. Oh. I, know, I, I think you're picky. I think you'll choose who you snuggle with. You wouldn't just snuggle no, that's anyone. True. That's true. That's true. That's true. Animals she would. She, oh, yeah, so all
3: animals. We all love
2: to snuggle animals. Yeah, she's a complete,
4: yeah. you know, floozy <laughs> when it comes to animals. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's so In There even
3: is value. There's lots of data out there that t- talks about the value of, of um, snuggling with animals or even snuggling with inanimate objects like teddy bears.
2: How cute. <laughs> so what does it actually mean? Oh, sorry, Kimmy. No, I was just going to say the same thing, darling. Well done.
1: Oh, right you are great minds. There it is. Yeah. Mindfulness, there it is. See connection across the waves. <laughs> what is what does mindfulness actually mean? I I'm so keen for you to what you said earlier, demystify what mindfulness is because a
3: lot of people don't know. I I actually I remember, remember I said I mean there's there's a variety mindfulness is sort of is is the new black. Uh, in terms of emotional well being and and, and it 's one of the big conversations of the last particularly five years, and so initially we had diet and exercise as two of the big conversations and many decades ago if, if somebody had said let 's get outside and go for a run like uh, you beautiful fit fit were talking about uh, before, oh. we, before we started recording about how you 're going running and doing all these amazing exercise things. 50, you know 40 50 years ago maybe a little bit longer if you'd said that we would have said where are you, where are you going where are you running to whereas now if you don't run you feel guilty I, I even had a little bit of guilt about oh I haven't exercised today and actually haven't even thought about it <laughs> uh, and so and then the diet realm came into it what we what we're putting into our body we really need to be more mindful and conscious of Again, a number of decades ago, we didn't have to be as conscious and aware of that part of that. I think is, um, uh, and I can be corrected here, Cindy, uh, is because of the level of processed food and fast food that we have available to us now. Uh, and so, as we move forward, I think uh, the next big conversation is around our emotional well-being, and just as we have. Uh, PE in our schools now which didn't used to be and we have the the eating and nutrition part of our learning even though it may not be uh, the way that that the, the right way necessarily but there are those conversations going on within our schools within our corporations within our organizations the next big conversation I believe is this thing called um social and emotional learning and at the very core of that, mindfulness-based social-emotional learning. And so mindfulness uh, in its essence is, is literally just being here, just sitting and knowing that you're sitting in an open and non-judging uh, way. And so it's, it's, a, it's that, just that open awareness. So it's that as we sit here, if I can bring my attention to my feet and feel the floor under my feet, I'm being mindful, I'm paying attention. So it's calling our attention back from the past, where I've been today or the future about when my next meetings are or what's going to be for dinner or whether or not I have to clean the house and back to this moment of being first and foremost connected with myself and then secondly connected with all of you three beautiful humans.
2: You know, yeah, it's
4: interesting, Vicky, because um, I agree with you with, you know, first it was exercise and then it was diet because we've, we've gone away from our evolutionary body's need for things and mm-hmm. we just were living in this modern world that never stops. And if you have a look at um, people's reactions when they see, let's say, a group of Australian Aboriginal people sitting on the floor on the ground and just sitting there and enjoying each other's, um, moment, the the ground under them and everything about it. And, you know, I, I, what I'm seeing at the moment is, uh, and I'm seeing it everywhere and everybody seems to be talking about it. And I have no idea why I'm seeing this, but it's, it's called the biophilia effect. Um, you know, the love of nature and what nature can do for us. And, you know, even being out in nature when you're out hiking and Karen and Kim and I, we've had some amazing hikes and there is nothing that you can do when you're out on that hike except um, absorb the electrons and the minerals and the atmosphere and the, um, the sunshine and the rain and whatever is there. And I, for me, find that one of the most meditative, I'm in this moment right now uh, type of things. And we're actually seeing the science behind the importance of not only nature, but settling the mind down and um, eating well and exercising and, and doing all these things. And it's almost like we've come full circle to what was naturally in our own innate nature that is now we have to really think about. And that's what I think people are kind of going, oh, my gosh, I've got to put my feet on the grass. I was, I was listening to this lady who um, I met. I met her in Young, well, Leeton, Young it was, and she works for Helen Patteron, who's a really good friend of all, all of ours. And she was saying that Helen had a, um, like a retreat in Byron and the amount of women that had come from a town and had never put their feet on the ground. And they were just blown away by the feel of the grass under their feet. And that's why I think we need to be reminded of this. I think we've forgotten that this is our natural way and this is the way we should do it. Miss Karen? (laughs) Feet on the ground. Yes, love. Yes,
1: love. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's called
3: called earthing, Karen.
1: Yes, but we can still do it five star. (laughs) I just want to say there's such a thing as five star grass, five star earth, (laughs) five star camping. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm always going to be a brush. You will. But do you (laughs) see that,
4: Vicky, that it's almost like we've lost that natural ability to be mindful, to be meditative, and and I don't think it really means that you've got to go sit on a rock for, although the rock will give you that earthing, that would be good, Um, but to go sit on a mountain for the rest of your life. I think we can still live a modern life. We just have to be more aware of, this evolutionary body, not this modern body and its needs.
3: Exactly, and you're exactly right, Cindy, in in that it's they're not mutually exclusive, and there's you know there's been a lot around um, the the um, the invasive or intrusive effect of technology we've all got multiple devices we often have multiple platforms open and um, technology is you know it's like it's the awful the awful thing that that is ruining our minds and ruining the minds of all of our young people and it's it's not technology because technology has helped us in many many ways but it's our relationship with our devices. It's our relationship with the technology that we need to look at and reassess, and that's where, um, in Karen's, in those beautiful words, where we where we go in, inwards and do our inner work. And I think just as we've um, organically been able to eat well and organically been able to move our bodies because that's what we did for our work and our life, and now as technology has uh, afforded us. More more time to be able to do these things. What it's also done is saturated us with stimulation that's unnatural and takes us outside of being mindful. And so that's why I believe that this next conversation is around our emotional well being, and particularly, I mean, we just need to look at our young people and the rate of anxiety and depression and uh, youth suicide is at a level that is horrendous and is as really alarming and you know that we're taught to read and write and and uh, the sciences and now we're recognizing the value of learning how to be with ourselves how to how can we experience joy really easily how can we bounce back from setbacks because they're going to happen how how can we play well with others and uh, do meaningful work that makes a difference in the world so that we get to leave the world a little better than we found it and in all of that how can we be present to this experience? And mindfulness is a, a, just one way, one way to be able to, to facilitate that in ourselves.
1: You know, Vicky, I'm just thinking, sitting here thinking, it's when a person's mindful, they're present, they're in the moment. But also too, when a person's present and in the moment, there's also no conversation. Like there's no commentary about the present experience so there's just experiencing the experience for the experience's sake rather than experiencing the experience for the meaning that we make. Oh, wow. hey,
3: that rhymed. Ra- mm-hmm. Brilliant. She's it, she doesn't know it. She wow, is the only- you,
1: Just stop it. That was pr- that was pure brilliance. <laughs> lucky it was recorded. Oh, totally. But lucky I was present at the moment of it. <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying? Like, like so when we're not present, when we're in the past or the future, we're – having commentary in our mind about the nature of experience of what's just happened or what could potentially happen. But when we're present and mindful, like you're saying, there's actually no commentary. There's just the experience. And if we can, you know, my hope and wish is that if we can get to that is that then if we're not making meaning of the experience and the experience doesn't mean anything, then we might very well save ourselves from self-destruction. And self implosion because most experiences, if given the chance, um, you know, we're kind of wired for negativity. You know, we're not we're not wired for positivity necessarily unless we're working. The
3: evolutionary hangover. Yeah. Luckily, luckily we were, we were though girls, or we wouldn't be here today, remember that. So talk talk to us about all of that. What's what's that? So so when I say the evolutionary hangover, it's it's that uh to survive and to evolve, uh, we naturally had to be more attentive to threats, because a threat a threat that we missed out on today was a pleasure that we would never get to experience again. Versus, whereas a pleasure that we missed out on today, because we noticed the saber tooth uh, tiger eyeing us up as as a meal, uh, we were we were then able to um, get away from it or fight it or do whatever we needed to do to, to survive to the next day so that we could experience pleasures. And so although we don't have uh, predators chasing us anymore for our survival, we do have this evolutionary hangover in the brain that has a bias towards threat. And we we would all have, have noticed that. You know, we can have heaps of great things going on in our day and that one thing that we did wrong or didn't do that we should have done. Our brain keeps taking us to that, and so it's it's one of those things that uh, and there's there's some contentious uh, ratios out there, but the ratio is is sort of Barbara Fredrickson, who's a researcher, had a ratio of three to one. Uh, we need to experience and and be able to remember and. Um, remind ourselves of three positive experiences for every one negative experience to just to have our brain in the mode of just beyond neutral so what we know about the brain is that it works most effectively when it's in a positive state versus in a state of neutral negative or stressed and so even in neutral because of that um bias towards negativity we're not the, the brain's mode isn't as great as if, as if it is if we can just have the pin a little towards positive. And that doesn't mean that the glass is always half full. It just means that we're able to enjoy um, the positive moments, those micro moments that Kim talks about, those mild but frequent micro moments of positivity, that we're able to enjoy them as best we can in the moment but we're also able to easily recall them and that's that's another example of a mindfulness practice is being able to at the end of your day those three things that I'm grateful for or three good things to be able to look to think back and say what was great about my day it'll be easy to find what wasn't great and what you need to do and what you should have done sometimes it can be a little more difficult to to search between um, the weeds, if you like, to find those beautiful flowers that exist and, and act as, a, as nourishment, like a superfood or a supplement for our brain health.
1: Hmm. Oh, the silence. Everybody's very mindful. Mm. <laughs> I was just thinking
4: how poetic it was. And, um, Absolutely. And taking it in as to what,
3: what that is all about and, and putting that into practice and we can put it into practice so easily it's it's one of those the what what we're learning more and more about and and in the last and particularly in the last 5 years the the contemplative science that's out there so the data that's out there that that uh, lets us know that what we are doing is making a difference, and lets us know that we can fine tune some of what we're doing to really make uh, a more meaningful, a more meaningful difference. And it, it, it's ironic in in one form. I think it was you, Cindy, that talked about in 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 the olden days. As we've as we've evolved, it, what used to be normal to walk through uh, nature and just be able to be in space and time. In a in a present way, now we're trying to engineer it and manufacture it <laughs> um, through through these things called mindfulness practices, and we're waiting for the science, the evidence base, to say which one's the best. Is it is it um, mindfulness practice? Is it Zen meditation? Is it loving kindness practice? Which one gives us the, the the best data? And so that's I think the ironic part about science. And I'm I'm all I'm all for science and evidence based, but I'm also very cautious not to rest everything on, on science and, and somebody asked me just last week in an interview, if science said that uh, mindfulness didn't work, would you still do it? And my answer in a heartbeat was yes because it works for me and I've seen it work for so many people. And so the, the, um, the upside of the science though it is, is that it is catching up and it is um, taking mindfulness off the cushion and getting it into our daily lives simply by a breath and what, what we're learning is one breath, makes a difference if all uh, our beautiful tribe did as a result of this podcast today was just remember to take one mindful breath once a day that breath has a compounding effect on the nervous system on our brain and as i said that that breath uh, just rebalances and restabilizes and acts like a a really powerful nutrient to the brain
2: you know what you said about
3: Oh, sorry. Oh. Mm-hmm. No, you
2: know, no. I was just interested in about just in talking about the breath, right. I and mean, then if we add something like an aroma to it, like an essential oil or a beautiful um, natural perfume that we love, do you know much around that? And whether or not. So i
3: I'm, I I know what I love to smell. <laughs> um, what what in terms of the contemplative side of it and the mindfulness side of it, there there are. Uh, there's a you know a whole um, industry and study out there around around those things like frankincense and myrrh which we know has have come from religion and yet in the East they're still using uh, those oils uh, for their meditation and contemplative Work. The great thing about smell as a sense is it, and particularly essential oils, when when again we can, we can take the elements and properties out of those oils that we've studied and learnt about, and break through that um, the you know the blood-brain barrier. We, it doesn't have as many restrictions, and so the effect on the system. And Kim. Uh, I, I feel like i'm I'm backing up going i'm, I'm speaking to the, the expert here, but from my understanding is it has a very profound and fast um, effect in the nervous system particularly, yes. particularly in with that tenth cranial nerve, the vagus nerve, and in in um, in the Eastern philosophies, we call the vagus nerve the the internal wandering Buddha. It wanders around regulating and balancing all of our um hormones and systems and organs so that so that we can be in our best selves beautiful, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. So for instance, a cold, a cold shower for, for your vagus nerve, a, uh, a cold shower, get, jump in the shower, do all your business, wash yourself and, and love all your bits and bobs like Kim says, wash all your, I love you, I love you, I love you, all of yourself and then at the end, have a 30 second cold rush and that stimulates your vagus nerve and improves your, what's called your vagal tone and so that's... Um, and your brown fat oh gosh <laughs> i can't believe
2: it. <laughs> it is it improves brown fat which increases your metabolism that's what the oh whole wow. thing with that breathing guy is all around and the guy that does all that cold oh, really strain. yeah him he talks about that and it's all to do with the um this thing called brown fat so keep going i love it but yes
3: i just thought i'd throw that in oh there you go so so um we can shed our brown fat we can we can uh connect our systems and integrate and balance out all of those systems in in our body so that we are at our most available and it just helps uh stimulate pathway our social pathways particularly so our those pathways we're biologically wired to connect with others and what stress does is shut, shut all of those down because we go straight into survival so anytime we 're in low to medium grade stress what we all tend to do and i 'm sure we can all uh, relate with this or remember a time when we 've done this is we shut down from those around us and we 're not as available and so uh, by by stimulating our Vagus nerve and and improving our vagal tone, it uh, opens up those pathways for social connection, which are are very important for not only our well being and we know it's the number one our social connections are number one um, for uh, our markers of well being, but also so that we can procreate and live well together and play well together and have a whole lot of fun um, with the people around us.
4: Do you know what I also find interesting? And I'm I'm, I'm going to go back to that vagus nerve. Is another way that the vagus nerve is stimulated is by singing, and all of our cultures sang, you know, song lines mm. and singing. So we we did this naturally without a sh- like without the cold shower, but we actually did it naturally by singing. But we don't all sing now, unless. We've got the music on in the shower or in the car, and we're yelling at the top of our voice.
1: <laughs>
3: but you know, so,
1: it can, can come back.
3: It, we can return to 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 what you're saying in terms of that that rather than things being engineered, they're more natural. And so, what can, what does occur in mindfulness practice is if we're meditating on loving kindness, for instance. What people notice as they meditate more that they have bubbling up of feelings of love, of connection, of kindness naturally without having to orchestrate or engineer it. I think we've just, for, for lots of reasons, um, wired ourselves in ways that are, uh, are natural to us now they are natural to us now, but they're not that helpful to us. Mm. And so, by by first and foremost recognizing that, that's you know that's the first step of, of particularly our emotional intelligence is having awareness. What am I feeling right now? And can I feel whatever I'm feeling in an open and non judging way, without trying to find hide it or 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 fix it or shift it or get rid of it? Can I just feel it? And label it, and just doing that uh, releases it in a way that is is quite mind blowing. Mm, it's really hard to do
4: when you're in a rage or you're mad about something, or
3: you know. You oh, need it's to catch so right. The it's not. It's not the. It's not the guarantee that if you uh, sit, sit, even if you sit on a cushion. I, I have a. a a deep formal practice in meditation. And as I said, I've been meditating for more than um, 30 years. And some days I'm a, I'm, I'm still a raving banshee woman. (laughs) It doesn't guarantee, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to walk around and not be knocked off balance or not be owned by people or situations. But what it does do is it boosts the chances that your karma more Present, more open and available self will be available to you, and it won't abandon you at those times. Yeah, because that's what tends to happen. Our our sane, rational, kind, beautiful self runs for the hills, mm. and something else comes out. All mindfulness does, all these uh, um, mental practices, if you like, do is boost the chances that in those difficult times that your more ideal self is going to be available it doesn't guarantee it, and it certainly it certainly doesn't um, necessarily mean that you're, you're going to um, your your world is going to change significantly, however, your perception about what's going on in the world will. Mm.
2: I'm still stuck on the fact that you talked a lot about the fact that through the vagus nerve and everything that part of that stimulation is about being around in a group and it's about hanging out having fun Pro- you also mentioned the word procreation and the same thing and then Cindy mentioned a cold shower I'm just wondering what the order is for all of those <laughs> dear, oh dear, oh dear. honestly it was just it was Hashtag I'm just I'm still stuck there picturing a whole group and you said there was a whole group of us that we'd all enjoy all of that so I'm just
3: thinking, yeah, okay. So, my next question is, I <laughs> do oh, apologize. Should, should I brace me? myself for this next question? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> da, 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 da.
2: <laughs> well, we know that we are tribal creatures, we love being part of a community, mm. and we also know that it can feed us when we're around like minded people or people that raise our souls and our mm. spirits. What would you say to our listeners that are in that mindset? but they live with or are related to people that aren't in that mindset. How do you practice mindfulness without wanting to killfulness somebody that's not actually on the same path as you?
3: Well, as I said, it's, there, is, there isn't any guarantee of that. You still, you still, may, want, you still may have those impure thoughts, Kim. <laughs> so you still may have those impure thoughts. You just, when you're mindful, you have the choice of where you're going to action yourself from. So it's it, you cre- you're creating a space between impulse and action. If you have those killfulness, killfulness thoughts, and then you take a breath and you say, "Do I still want to attend to this?" and you do it mindfully then you can't be done for murder. <laughs> well, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those situations that it, it, it just, it brings out all of those things that are great about us. And, and what, I, what I believe in my heart is that we are, we are born to be good. We're born to be good. We're born to be kind. And what drags us away from that is life and experience and sometimes some really difficult situations. However, when we can be mindful that ability to act and behave from a kind place is more available to us than 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 it is when we're in reaction.
2: But I think Vicky, the the challenge, and we get a lot of emails asking us this: is that a lot of our listeners are definitely on this path, and they mm-hmm. feel around their own tribe or like minded people they can do that. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a uh, a relative or a partner or a child mm. that is constantly challenging you and pushing you and pushing you you know at some point the humanness in us comes out and they you know we struggle to to keep feeling like we're being attacked so are you saying that the more we practice mindfulness perhaps through the art of meditation that the the more likely those comments or that inability to connect with people that we have to be around it just it becomes more like water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter because they're living their own world. There's there's less judgment around people. You wanting people to see it from your angle. Is that what you're saying?
3: In a nutshell, that's exactly what I'm saying. It, it, there, there is, I think it's important that people can choose to live in the way that they choose to live and we don't have to necessarily you know the activists in us want to uh, corral everyone and and have have them agree with us and do the things that we do and so we attract these like-minded people around us who who are on on a similar path, or some are ahead on the path and are calling us and and inviting us to a higher level of mind, and others are behind us, and where we get the opportunity to invite them along and and call them on on this same path this this journey of well-being or vitality or whatever it is that we that we would love to call it there are people who don't choose to be part of that and as soon as as soon as uh, we have resistance to that why not why don't you want to come with me then that that sets up a discord and so our mind, what our mindfulness practice does, and particularly, there's there's one beautiful practice that comes to mind is the loving kindness practice, the meta meditation practice, where first and foremost our kindness is directed inwards, and we can we can think or imagine ourselves, may I be healthy, may I be healthy and happy, and then we think of someone that uh, we. Uh, close with an intimate partner uh, one of our a member of our family and we say may you be hel- healthy may you be happy as part of our practice and then we think of somebody that is benevolent uh, uh, like a our checkout operator or someone someone that we that we come into contact with regularly but we don't actually see them and we bring those people to our heart mind and say may you be happy may you be healthy and then we bring someone to mind who we may be having some difficulty with or is having a difficult time. And we ask, may, they be ha- may you be ha- happy, may you be healthy. And then we include all, all sentient beings, all living beings in that. And that practice can take uh, a few minutes or it can take 50 minutes or three hours. And simply by doing that, it's not, there's nothing woo-woo about it. It doesn't mean that that other person changes. But what it does mean is that you change that you, it boosts your chances of when that person pushes back on you instead of matching them or picking up the rope and having a tug of war, you let, you let the rope sit and you allow them to pull and to kick and to scream and you have comp- as much compassion as you can for them. It just boosts the chances. It, it doesn't guarantee that. It just boosts the chances of you being able to be available to their pain or to their side. To be able to walk in their shoes and understand, and uh, even if you can't understand, to at the very least accept where they're coming from. Mm,
2: I think it's always a challenge, isn't it, in the humanness of ego and wanting to be right or seen as right. And I, you know, at the moment I know my daughter is struggling with somebody that's really pushing her buttons, and it's been interesting how to support. And coach her through this and a lot of what I've said because it's very easy on the outside when your buttons aren't being pushed as to why they would be yeah why they wouldn't why is that affecting you it doesn't that's not Mm. how people see you but when you're in it and when you're really being affected by it it's it's just I love that practice you just said because if nothing else it's almost like you need the mind to be doing something else and I think this is where Karen has always been so good for Cindy and I um, is that we often both will say that what would Karen say right now? Yeah. Um, what would Karen tell us to do? Because she's an anchor for us and mm. I guess in a way what you're saying, Vicki, in the work you do is also another anchor. It's, it's sometimes it's in the moment of conflict or struggle that we least have the intellect to um, conceptualise what it is that you're asking or suggesting oh, that we do.
3: Exactly it is it, it is um, it's, it's really easy to be kind and open and warm and loving when things are going our way. It, you know when when the people that we've got around us all agree with us and, and lift us up and are, are our cheerleaders, it's really easy to be kind and generous and open and and available. The rubber meets the road though, when things aren't going our way when we've got, when we're having setbacks and when when we're in survival because of something that's occurred either a relationship difficulty or a a work difficulty or some part of our life has become a a struggle it's it's that's where the rubber meets the road and that's why our our emotional um well-being practices help and support us it's sort of our emotions are like a muscle and and our mindfulness we have a mindfulness muscle and we can strengthen that to boost the chances of when things aren't going our way because it, it's, it's a fundamental truth. Suffering is a fundamental truth. When things aren't going our way, who am I going to be? Do, do I even have a choice? Well, sometimes I don't because I'm so reactive and, and the, the nature of, of stress uh, reduces our perspective and closes us down so that we can survive but if we're practicing our um, doing our mindfulness based um, practices and this is remember this is just one way that we can train our emotional well-being we can strengthen and cultivate all of those um, things about our emotions that that keep us in a balanced way if we attend to our mo- emotional well-being even with just a breath even with just three great three things that we're grateful for or three good things for the day if that's all we can muster now and of course i'd invite everyone to a more formal practice but if all you could do was just remember to take a mindful breath a few times a day over over the the coming weeks and months you're going to notice a real difference for yourself and and for those around you and the people who who um, engage in mindfulness practices one of the f- very common things that they say is i don't know whether i really noticed a difference but so many people have noticed a difference about me they say you're different you're you're, you're brighter you're more radiant you, you seem more patient so even if you may not notice it people people definitely notice it
1: I wonder if that's kind of the message in terms of the answer to Kim's question. I'm just sitting thinking about it because I know you know what it's like when people are pushing our buttons and challenging us. How difficult it is to maintain composure and not Mm. lose your shoes bang at them. Um, But I just wonder if the more we practice mindfulness when things are great, then the calmer we're able to be, and the more present we're able to be when things are not so great. It's you know it's something that I think we can all take on is to do this kind of work when things are fine because I don't think you do the work in the heat of the moment I don't think you get your learning in the heat of the moment because yeah, for the most part we do. tend to head to our default reaction yeah. in you the heat of
3: both. The you, you can certainly do both and, and, and mindfulness as as a technique is is twofold really so there's mindfulness as an intervention so the the most um Popular and practiced mindfulness intervention is mindfulness-based stress reduction, uh, founded and developed by Jon Kabat-Zinn, and that is mindfulness as an intervention. So it's a it's a technique to uh, alleviate certain modes of mind. And then there's the other mindfulness practice for the, uh, mindfulness for well-being, for connection, for being able to to create the conditions in our heart-mind so that we can be as effective as a human being for ourselves and for those around us as possible. So not as an intervention to stop or, or reduce anything, as effective as that is, but as a practice towards advancing ourselves in, into a more connected state. And so there's, there's those two elements and, and, and it works. It works amazingly. And we just know that there's a there's a mode of our brain that is more effective than others, and the mode of our brain that's the most effective um, for most of the time is that more is that slightly more positive than neutral, negative, or stressed. Stress is good, you know. The little bursts of stress help us to get across the line. They help us to get those deadlines. They they help us when somebody has cut us off, um, cut you know cut us off in the car in front of us. Where stress becomes Uh, unhelpful and destructive is when we chase that person because we're so angry with them we chase that person through lights and down the street just so that we can pull the finger at them and then somehow have a small hit of dopamine to go yes i told that sucker versus oh stress being able to to shift that that reaction and then let it go as quickly as we possibly can and not take it home You know, the the other side of that is is somebody cuts us off and we've had a a fight at the office and we come home and yell at the kids and the kids don't know why we're yelling at them or we yell at our our significant other. And so it's being able to have those mindful moments of taking a breath and pausing and, and unplugging from whatever it is and that's not just our technology but pausing and unplugging from the situation to be able to breathe and arrive. And when we do that, I'm so confident because I've seen it over and over again, and, and I experience it in myself every single day. That we just make better choices, and we're not knocked off balance, and we're not um, knocked around as much by the people or our or our situations. It doesn't mean that that we're not maybe a little bit, but it means that we get we do have the opportunity to to, to catch ourselves. It's just like eating well doesn't guarantee you're not going to get a bug, a flu. But what it does do is give your, create the conditions in your system to allow your body to, to facilitate its best healing. Mindfulness yeah, practice yeah. is the same for our emotional well-being.
2: Do you think then if, it's, if it comes down to what about the people that eat badly, don't exercise, they stay skinny, they seem happy, they drink a lot, they do all the things that anyone on our network probably wouldn't, and yet they seem to be having a great life. What's your answer to that one, Ms. mindfulness?
3: <laughs> oh, Ms. Mindfulness? Well, we all have we all have this thing called a happiness set point. And so we all have a different happiness set point, point. and some people's happiness set point naturally is higher than others. And we tend to have, you know, a happiness set point plus or minus 2 at any at any um, point in time, things like um, divorce and death and and difficulty can shift our set point but not for any length of time what we do know is that if if um kim is the the skinny happy uh do whatever she would love person and has a set point a, a high happiness set point that generally means that she's also got uh, Quite a few friends around her that she's that she's doing all of those things and those markers for our our overall well being, um, particularly those social ones. When your happiness set point is quite high, you naturally attract those into your those the, those situations into your world. What we can do um, with mindfulness, or there are lots of ways to to uh, shift your happiness or turn up the dial on your happiness set point. Uh, the one way I know that, that really works is is mindfulness. So you're right, Kim, there are some people that uh, are naturally like that, and I'd suggest that their happiness set point is quite high. <laughs> right. Well, they're
2: drug oh, or, they're,
3: or they're highly drug-induced. Or they're on the psychedelics. And, and we, <laughs> psychedelics, those natural lovely herbs, um, many of our contemplative... Uh, practices utilize psychedelics and often people will ask what's the difference if we can get a natural high through some herbs uh why wouldn't we do that um there's one difference it doesn't have lasting um, brain landscape change like formal meditation practice does (laughs) just in case people are wondering (laughs)
1: What we're talking about there, though, also is vibration, isn't it? I mean, if you're talking about somebody having a naturally high set point, mm-hmm. so the happier person is going to be more likely to attract happier experiences into their life. It's kind of the way that they are. So it's like yes. a...
3: Yeah, that's mind exactly so, right. so it's so it, in the esoteric cre- world in the science world it's called a happiness set point in the esoteric world it's called it's called the field you're vibrating high in the field you're in your higher mind versus your lower mind and if there's a if there's a, a continuum then um you're on that the higher end of that vibrational scale mm. Mm. makes sense
1: makes absolute sense why a person would put um, put their attention to mindfulness as another tool to add to their kit bag in raising their vibrational frequency yeah, so that they can start to become more magnetic to universal ease and flow
3: a great point oh. which is which is another you know there are people and we've all experienced people and uh, you three beautiful women are uh, individually you are that sorry sorry just the, cut out then can you just
2: say that sorry i just missed that but oh say yes that you
3: two three beautiful stunning gorgeous <sighs> breathtaking we delicious seeing. women oh, individually <laughs> are magnets but collectively the whole as in the three of you together uh, is a light that um i have rarely come across and so that in terms of vibration, and or that in the terms in terms of the science, that happiness set point. Collectively, your whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so we've all been around people who we can move into their presence and feel very different immediately uh, in a positive way. And I think we've all can we can also all uh, remember a time when we've walked into the presence of someone and felt a prickling that wasn't necessarily great, and that's just, uh, I think, an indication of our energies not, not uh, being able to, to, to integrate very effectively because they're that, that so far on different ends of the spectrum, if you like, of, uh, of that continuum. <laughs>
2: And, and, Does you know, that make much sense? Like essential oil. Yes, it's like essential oils. We we call that a synergistic effect or a synergy blend. So yeah. it's, it's the same thing. And I've always thought of our networks and our group, and particularly when the three of us together, I – I can honestly say I feel better when I'm with these girls and I feel mm. better when I'm around all of you guys at the Wellness Summit. We all, it's its like it does. It completely raises all of our energy levels, even if any one of us are flat or have been sick. So what would you say then around, and I know we're coming to the end of our chat, but around your book in Mindfulness 2.0, is there strategies in there, say, for things like illness or loss or grief or anxiety or all of those things that do crop up and we all know we all get affected by many of these things throughout our life. Is there, apart from that meditation or that practice you said at the beginning, is there any other go-tos that any one of us could go to if we are feeling anxious or worried or nervous or any of those kind of things? sabotaging kind of
3: beliefs yeah so probably probably the easiest that the easiest most simple one and you don't need you don't need the book for this uh, the easiest one is when i always and and i i teach at the chiropractic college i teach uh, emotional intelligence to the the dcs the chiropractors to be at the chiropractic college they're very lucky to be doing their inner work in parallel to all of their uh, clinical work and one of the things that I always say to them, in when they're stressy about their exams, I say, I think it's time that you hit the pub. And uh, when I, what we mean by that is the acronym: pause, unplug, breathe. And then we liberate that uh, present time consciousness, if you like, with a smile. So it's pubs, and it's all over. It's all over the college. It's all. It's all through the book. Um, pause. So you just pause between the rushing. You pause whenever it's possible you unplug from your technology from the argument you had from the difficulty from from your stress you take a breath and particularly the out breath the out breath is what uh, really activates out the the rest and digest that that and cools off our stress and then you liberate that that uh, mindful energy with a smile and a smile tells uh, tells our brain that we're happy even if it's just for a micro moment. So when, when in stress, hit the metaphoric pub. I love it. Mm.
4: <laughs> I, I think was thinking we were going
1: classy. to
3: the pub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we could do that yeah. and we could, have, we could mindfully drink a beautiful glass of
4: wine. Yeah. Champa's. But it's, it's funny the connotations that a pub gives to me. Um, or If we do go to there, it's different for somebody else. So for me, an old English pub, sitting with Howie at a bar and just enjoying the ambience compared to an Aussie pub that is loud and raucous. You know, there's, mm. yeah, so we can go any space we want to, even doing that acronym that you
3: did with the pub, Exactly, and and remembering that that most people who who don't meditate but want to meditate have just created so many resist so many um, mm. hurdles to meditation. So I'll meditate when I've got more time. I'll meditate when I when I can wear, um, wear purple chiffon and burn incense and play nice music. And I've got three days to do that. In. I'll meditate when I'm not as angry. I'll meditate when I'm angry. I'll, and so it's it's just all I can say is that you know the best the best time to meditate is um, as, as soon as we're born, if we could. The second best time is right right now. Hmm. Is just merely to to take a breath and and actually, guys, we could all just take a a, a nice deep in breath and a beautiful slow out breath in this moment doing it now and we could liberate it with a sigh
4: (laughs) (laughs) I actually been doing a couple of them while you every time you say breath I go
2: (gasps) And one of them I really did let out a big big sort of sigh, and then I was worried I didn't have my mute button on. I think thanks.
3: And it's interesting about the sigh, the sigh we don't sigh on the in breath. It
2: yeah.
3: And it's it's our it's again, Cindy, it's that it's that mm. um, that inherent wired within us mm. to know what we need to do to regulate our sympathetic System is if we breathe out, we're going to create that subtle invitation to cool off our stress. Amazing. It's a good thing. Mindfulness yeah. is a great thing. I love it. I, I fall more deeply in love with the, with the practice and the idea and the philosophy every single day. And that's why I'm so passionate to to get out to as many as many people as as I can, just to let them know that they can take a breath, that they that there there is a value in noticing the small but frequent micro moments that Kim even talks about. Um, of joy that do exist in our day there is value in getting out and getting into nature and and just taking our shoes off and walking in the grass whether the grass is um, in a park or it's in a five-star hotel Uh, there's, there's value there's value in doing that there's value in getting you know getting your shoes off and getting sandy toes just even if it's just for one minute
2: Vicky, I think that you are a beautiful example of of creating a more calm energy when we're all in your space and you just have such a a beautiful energy that we all really, really like to take a breath with and and emulate and I just think your book, your work, your workshops, is there anything coming up um, that any of our listeners could know about that you're doing?
3: So not not. Particularly in terms of events, there's an event later in the year, and, and I, I'm not a very good self promoter. This is the plug zone, and I don't even can't even plug anything. Tell us about your website, and That's two K's yep two k's i kelly k-e-l-l-y dot com and you can have a look there's a there's a survey there that you can do which will give you a bit of a base point a set point if you like of where you're at as um how mindful you currently are and and how you might be able to advance towards a, a, a more mindful state through some of the practices. My book is is online. I'm heading up to UC Berkeley in July, so probably this year, um, more for me is a year of discovery. And I've been invited to UC Berkeley to a residency program at the Greater Good Science Center up there, with uh, or many of the contemplative science. Um, researchers and 14 other beautiful people who are taking mindfulness work out into the world, and we get to share a week together at UC Berkeley in the Greater Good Center, uh, learning about what what other people are doing, but also learning the latest in the the science and delivery of of mindfulness based programs out there in the world. So I'll be bringing that back later in the year, um, probably to a program in Melbourne. Uh, yet to be confirmed the date of that so watch out for it on the website
1: fabulous wonderful and can our listeners connect
3: with you on facebook vicky yes uh, there's mindful 2.0 on facebook there's my personal page you can jump onto that um you can email me vicky at vicky com. Uh, you can see me in the street and snuggle me i'm always up for a snuggle uh,
2: <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> oh beautiful um,
3: yes please don't be strangers reach out uh i'm i am always very willing and open to to share in your joy or share in your difficulty whatever uh wherever you are in your world and yeah no just uh to know that we're we're not alone and there's my pussycat saying i'm, alone. I'm beautiful <laughs> awesome oh, we I love you, love you. thank you oh thank you girls so much for inviting me on to your show i was um so excited and a little bit scared and a whole lot starstruck when you invited me so uh, i i love all the work that you do and as i said i have i have really come across such a bright shining example of amazingness as you three all are so i feel absolutely honored to have shared this amount of time with you today. Thank oh, you.
1: Bless your Thanks sweetness. Time. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. It takes one to know one.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, my love, for joining us. And for all of our listeners, please reach out to Vicky on her website, social media, build a relationship with this woman and start to follow her. And, you know, use Vicky, if you like, as a reminder to be mindful. So when you see her posts rolling up on your, your, um, your news feeds or through your Instagram feeds, you know, make sure that you're using her as a reminder that when you're present and you're mindful in the moment, that then makes the rest of your day calmer, more peaceful and puts you back in the driver's seat and gives you a level of control that without the mindfulness, you may not necessarily have reach for. So if you've got some comments or you've got some questions for our gorgeous Vicky or for us, head on over to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat or you can go to all ws.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And join us here next week on Up For A Chat where you become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we're going to see you on the ride. Bye for now, everybody.
0: This year, the Wellness Summit returns.
1: The only lesson is ever gonna be your learning. That's it. As long as you're learning,
2: that's your lesson. When you stand in front of the mirror, the talk, the things that go on between these ears in the morning can also be what sets you up for a day. And if you've beaten yourself up for not being the most extraordinary person that you can be, then start now. We make it hard for ourselves.
1: We make things difficult for ourselves because we go and apply a whole bunch of stories and a whole bunch of drama and a whole bunch
2: of I'm not good enough to the things that occur in our lives. Wake the hiccup. Today is a new day and here's where it can change.
0: Kim Morrison and Karen Smith feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com